Welcome to the On Target Living Podcast, a place where health and human performance meet. When we think about whole wellness, a lot of people think, you know, it's about eating healthier, exercising, but there's so much more to the, the equation. Hello, welcome to another episode of On Target Living. I'm so excited to be joined today by two fabulous women and longtime friends. I have Crystal Bresnahan here and Nicole Bellica as we discuss the topic of whole wellness. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Thanks Hello. for having me. This is so exciting. We yeah. just... We had some coffee, we had some apple crisp, but we're feeling good, we're feeling energized. And I just wanted to introduce these ladies before we dive into the topic of whole wellness. Crystal Bresnahan is the communication specialist for People's Gas here in Chicago. And she also holds a PhD from the University of South Florida in communications. And several years ago, she actually worked as a consultant at On Target Living where she helped us to develop our social media strategy which is so fun because you were working for On Target Living before I was even working for On Target Living, but she brings nine years of lessons learned from marketing and communication teams across industries, including higher education, healthcare, and even energy. Crystal and I actually met each other in middle school and we both went to Western Michigan University together. And after years of living apart, we're finally here in the same city, so it's very exciting. And Nicole Bellica is one of the best and well-known yoga instructors in Chicago. Uh, she teaches at Midtown Athletic Clubs and Yoga Garage and Yoga Sick. She actually was my yoga teacher when I went through my training. And after many years of working in the corporate world, and she also lived in Southeast Asia, and she taught English as a second language, Nicole found her true passion through yoga. And yoga allowed her to integrate the body, mind, and spirit to practice overall wellness and help others find greater balance in their life. She also specializes in prenatal population. She works with um, doing a lot of doula work, trauma, um, and this has really emphasized the importance of just a spiritual practice that she really teaches. So when I talk to these ladies and I approach them about doing a podcast on the whole wellness topic, the first thing Crystal said to me was that the idea of whole wellness sounds very overwhelming. So Crystal, just speak to that a little bit because I think it's good for our listeners to know that we're going to make this whole kind of practice really simple today so that they, they can take small steps. Okay. Yeah, great. So when you brought up whole wellness, I felt like, whoa, that's taking on, you know, a lot of different aspects. How do I even get started with this? Mm -hmm. um, and it made me think also uh, about kind of my background and what you specifically invited me to share about intellectual wellness. So the idea of intellectual wellness is, okay, you got to be smart. You got to mm -hmm. sound smart. Um, the expectations kind of weigh on you of, mm -hmm. of what is this, the perception of what this means. And then my background in communication, like being a communication major, I remember telling people, oh, what do you major in communication? Well, the expectation, well, you have to speak well and you have to write well and you're not going to have any mistakes. Um, <laughs> and so kind of just getting that sense of expectation and like thinking through what would it mean to be successful with whole wellness? Mm -hmm. um, and what are the many different ways I could fail with, what are the things I'm not paying attention to um, with the way that I practice wellness in, a, in my everyday? So kind of talking through that, just the three of us, when you brought that topic to mind, you know, that's the first, I think, barrier to 
taking action and finding ways Changing. of doing this. Yeah. yeah. And I think too, before we really dive into this topic, when we think about whole wellness, a lot of people think, you know, it's about eating healthier, exercising, but there's so much more to the, the equation. That's why I have these ladies here today. Whole wellness can include physical wellness, which we talk a lot about it on Target Living, but also spiritual wellness, intellectual wellness, like Crystal mentioned, emotional wellness, social wellness, financial wellness. So when we think about kind of approaching this in a, in a way that's really manageable, it comes down to just kind of simple rituals. And I know, Crystal, that's kind of a good point is just making it more manageable. But I know you also mentioned that curiosity may actually be kind of the first step in just being more aware of what areas of wellness you have to kind of work on in order to practice this, this whole wellness concept. Yeah, I think for me, um, with a background in teaching, I had a perception when I came into the classroom that that role meant I need to know it all. Mm -hmm. I need to bring the answers to the questions and really fostering a learning community is about creating a space and holding space for people to ask questions and invite better questions and to really respond with more questions. And so having curiosity and this kind of thirst for lifelong learning, mm -hmm. um, I think that's really the starting point. Yeah. Um, the more I thought about whole wellness and these different parts and how they can be integrated is how do they connect and how do I kind of live with questions and constant improvement? Mm -hmm. um, the idea of I'll try is really driven by curiosity. It might not go the way that I thought it would, but what beautiful things can I find out along the way? Yeah. Uh, and so for me, I think, yeah, curiosity is really the foundation to intellectual wellness and also considering whole wellness as a possibility or a goal. Well, I think curiosity is just so powerful and we all have to practice. This is, everything is a practice. We're always striving to get better. So we all have to practice about being more curious. And I think, you know, when we think we know everything or we've learned everything, that's where we just stop growing. And I think that's kind of where we run into issues. So before we kind of get into some specific steps, I did come across um, just the definition of wellness from the National Wellness Institute. And Nicole, this really kind of made me think about what you practice and just the whole spiritual wellness, but basically wellness defined as a conscious, self-directed and evolving process of achieving your full potential. I know you speak a lot about conscious awareness and self-compassion. So why do you think it's so important for people to really start with, with this consciousness? It's just that first step of being aware. And even going back to what Crystal had mentioned in terms of being overwhelmed with this idea of wellness and also confronting where you might be potentially failing, mm -hmm. quote unquote, in your wellness journey. But, you know, the, the tendency is for us to have this impulse to judge, to criticize. But if you take it back to that place of curiosity, it's more like you're gathering information and then choosing what information you want to utilize, where your areas of opportunity are. And that will give you the information you need as to where you want to grow, how you want to grow, if you want to grow. Mm -hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, ultimately, you're taking this information, discerning what's important to you, prioritizing, and then applying that to your day-to-day -day life. 
So just being aware of what areas maybe mm-hmm. you need to work on. Exactly. And in terms of spiritual spirituality itself, it's a term that carries various meanings mm-hmm. and connotations um, based on each individual's experience, yet it is something that exists in all traditions and cultures. And while there are many belief systems such as Buddhism, Taoism, Christianity, This is not necessarily a conversation of religion, though there may be a potential crossover, but more importantly, one common thread in spirituality is this curiosity Mm -hmm. and this desire to learn about a power and entity that is greater than ourselves and to dive deeper into the human experience is a means to connect with the greatest expression of our true essence. Wow. So if someone wanted to practice more spiritual wellness, it's just... It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be religious, but it's just something that energizes you, something greater than yourself. So it could be a number of things. And I know you've talked about just prayer or saying something, you know, before you eat a meal. So what are some simple things that people can just be more aware of when it comes to spiritual wellness? So in terms of what a spiritual practice looks like, it can be something that you do every day that draws you deeper into who you really are by connecting with your divine self. Some examples could include meditation, Mm -hmm. yoga, prayer, time in nature, journaling, gardening, singing, um, just nourishing your body with healthy foods that make you feel good. But it's truly a matter of what what works for you. And that mm-hmm. might show up very differently for, for each individual. So it's not so much about the form or what your spiritual practice looks like, but rather the connective quality of the time spent with your practice and how that fills you up. Interesting. So yeah, just the conscious awareness. We know that Time without energy is just wasted time. So when we start to develop a lot of these wellness practices, we have to make it more meaningful. We have to pay attention and we just have to make it count, I think, too, because we're all limited with that time that we have. So, And I think self-care is such a big buzzword these days, but it can also just then turn into something that you're checking off of your to-do list. Mm -hmm. So really focusing on choosing those things um, that you practice daily over and over, not in a gross way, but rather in a way that this is what makes me who I am. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yep. And, And I love, recently I worked with a coach, which, you know, we're always, no one, no one's perfect. We're always trying to get better. And I think when you start to understand that, you know, there's different areas in your life where you need to improve. Um, she just always said, okay, are you doing what will allow you to step into your true power? And a lot of times we're not, right? We're just going through the motions. So yeah, while I teach a lot about this physical wellness component, how can I be better in different areas? You know, maybe I don't practice enough intellectual wellness or spiritual wellness. So yeah, we all, we're trying to just be our best self. And, and that's why this podcast is just so powerful because I think on Target Living, we're constantly talking about resting, eating, and moving. And that's really important, of course, but it goes so much further than just, you know, the physical kind of practice. So today, so just to kind of give our listeners a structure, I want to just dive into how we can develop some of these specific areas of wellness. And let's start with just small steps at, at our mantra on Target Living is just small steps to, to healthy living. And I know, Crystal, when we thought about this idea of whole wellness, you said, well, what if we could develop everyday rituals around these things to make it easy? Because rituals are what makes our 
our lifestyle easy and repeatable and we don't have to think so much about it. So let's start with just outlining specific areas of wellness and small steps that people can actually take. So Crystal, if you want to start, I know you've mentioned some things already, but if you want to start with just some small steps people can take as in it relates to intellectual wellness or even emotional wellness. Okay, sure. Um, I think first, I guess this is going to be a blend of the how, the step-by-step, but starting with the why, Mm -hmm. and I know that's a big uh, part of the mantra with On Target Mm -hmm. Living and kind of um, that purpose and meaning and how is that connected and driven to the small steps that we take. Mm -hmm. And for me, I, I would say that understanding this desire this purpose what what's meaningful for me and the intellectual rituals that i might have helps to keep me motivated so we're talking about improvements here and you know why do i want to improve is it because i have a to-do list a checklist i've read this great magazine with the 10 to-dos on (laughs) self-care um and so recently i uh gave a guest lecture at university of tampa um, for an honors course freshmen and sophomore students, and they wanted someone to come talk about mass media and um, convergence with mass media and give an example of a marketing campaign that went well. And instead of going in and just delivering uh, the campaign or information, yeah, and to say, okay, this is great because they want to know a real, you know, application from the professional realm outside of academia. Instead, I started with a whole discussion around defining success and asking them to relate success to failure. And that was my way of creating a purpose. Why are we gonna be talking about this campaign? Because I wanted them to be questioning what the context was when I was invited to participate on the campaign. It had failed the year before. People didn't wanna do it. They weren't motivated. I was given this task of kind of bringing this to life. Um, and I wanted them to have a sense of questioning that and to thinking through, you know, what does success mean to me? How does it relate to failure? Why was this campaign successful? Why was this something, why is this person giving me their account and how can I bring that into my life? So for me, I'd say the first step in developing an intellectual wellness practice is questioning that why. I love that. Um, and then you know, going to the how, for me, um, one example would be, you know, reading is really important part of my life. I love connecting with different literature, but I found my everyday life uh, when I got uh, my recent position um, as a communication specialist. I was in my previous role remote, so I had more time. I wasn't commuting. Mm -hmm. I had my own lunch break and I took that lunch break the full time. Now I'm in an office setting. I commute an hour, sometimes a little longer to and from downtown Chicago. And it wasn't fitting in. I like to read a whole three chapters. I didn't want to have to break that up. So how was I able you know, to change that, what was important to me, what was the why. And to me, it was sitting with someone else's words and reflecting on that before I started a day in my task list. And I realized that I could read on my phone Mm. or I could tear out instead of carrying the whole magazine with me on the commute because I wasn't finding a seat anyway. I could just tear out a few pages and easily hold it while I was standing on the L train on the way downtown. So finding small ways to fit those things in and realize that it can be an everyday practice that helps to make me feel fulfilled and reach that potential and that purpose. Uh, I think those are ways of, you know, Mm -hmm. 
thinking about wellness and not having a set structure or a to-do list that I have to do it a certain way. Well, and I think certain areas of wellness resonate more with certain people. Like for you, that's really what energizes you. That's almost like a spiritual practice. This kind of all blends together, but you know that you're going to be better not only in your work day, your professional life, but also your personal life. So how do you tap into that potential where you feel fulfilled? And that's a simple way that you can do that. You don't have to leave it behind just because you live a fast paced lifestyle. So I think it, it, the why is powerful. Why am I doing certain things? What is this going to bring me long-term? And, and then, yeah, the how, how can I do it? How can I do it in a really simple way? So I love that. I know that you love your books. I think actually in your bio, it says that you are like a member at every um, library or you enjoy going to libraries and parks. That's like some of your hobbies. So I love that. I think intellectual wellness, personally, I need to work on just small, simple stuff for that as well. And I think that resonates with you too. I mean, the whole spiritual wellness, I know you do, yoga is really your calling, and but you tap into so many different areas of wellness within what you teach. And you do a lot of intellectual wellness practices within your spiritual kind of practice. So maybe just speak a little bit to some of the things you do from that intellectual kind of standpoint. Um, recently, I started integrating a little bit more puzzle work in my evenings as opposed to sitting watching TV. Yeah. Sometimes I'm too tired for my day to sit with a book and really absorb the information that I'm, that I'm reading. So I found the puzzles are a really great segue to kind of tap into that meditative element as well. Proven neurologically, science shows that working on a puzzle has the same effects that the sitting and meditating does. So wow. it is a form of meditation as well as you're using your intellectual brain to try to piece these puzzles together. Mm-hmm. And if you want to layer on another element, if my partner is with me and we're yeah. doing this together, it's an opportunity for us to connect emotionally as well. Um, intellectually with conversations about our day. Maybe we talk about gratitude, what we're grateful for, which could be another form of spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. So, little simple tasks that you can start to layer in and there's a crossover with all these elements of wellness um, and really just integrating it and making it fit into your life. Yeah, making it work. Yeah, and I love the simple thing is a puzzle. Like that's so fun. You have it at your kitchen table, I think you said. We have an extra table, puzzle table. That we call <laughs> it's <out>. a puzzle <laughs> table. How many pieces did you say this? This one's 2000. Oh we haven't done much big in quite some time. Um, it might take us a considerable amount of time but that's okay we're not in a rush right (laughs) and you can do small little things Mm -hmm. I mean you can see a piece you can put two pieces together in one day right or do it as a bonding type of experience so just kind of simple things that you can do and I think going back to the Mm -hmm. whole conscious awareness like just having it out there being aware that maybe you can develop you know intellectual wellness along the way and Um, I know you do a lot of reading as well. I'm an avid reader. Um, I found that I was getting a little stagnant with my reading just because there was no separation between the books that I was reading and my work with my day-to-day life in terms of yoga mindfulness. So I started a book club this past year um, and not only did it get me motivated to read books that I don't typically read, Mm -hmm. but because I was consuming other types of information and also some of it more entertaining it re-motivated me to not only read the books in book club but also pay more attention um, with the more intellectual stuff that I was 
mm-hmm. using for my day-to-day work. Well, and you need that separation between mm-hmm. your work and your personal life. I know I feel guilty when I'm just reading a book for fun, when I know there's all these personal development books that I should be reading. Exactly. But what happens is I can't get through those and they just sit there. And then I order more and more and I feel more overwhelmed. So I think that's good to just have that clear line where you say, you know what, I'm going to do book club and I'm going to read for fun. And that's going to kind of energize me in that way. So and there are other benefits to book club as well, where you're actually having conversations with the other individuals in the group. There's the connection component Mm -hmm. where you're fostering these relationships with other individuals and it's time together. That's really well spent and enjoyable and you gain new perspectives, new information. And it's been much more than I could have ever expected. That's amazing. Yeah, because you're going on how many months of this book club? It'll, uh, it'll be, I think, 10 months now. Almost a year. Yeah, and I'll say as a, a member of this <laughs> book club, you remember everyone. <laughs> um, what was really compelling to me is the way that Nicole set this up and the invitation that she allowed in uh, bringing people together because as an avid reader myself, a book club gave me an opportunity. Okay, new books I haven't heard of before and people who want to talk about them, excellent, can't wait. Mm-hmm. Then life got in the way and the first book club meeting I wanted to attend, I hadn't touched the book. Yep. And the email invitation from Nicole was, hey, have you read a little? Have you read none of it? Have you read the whole thing? Come anyway, we're mm-hmm. getting tea. Love to see anyone who wants to be there. And that was the first time I think I've showed up somewhere unprepared, like completely unprepared, (laughs) didn't have the book in front of me, nothing. Um, And I just got to sit there and be curious and listen to other Mm -hmm. women talk about their experiences with this book. And I, you know, gave my own thoughts on their thoughts and kind of built these relationships. And so it's been such an open and liberating experience to say, I, I come for the connection. I come for yeah. all the different ways that this is kind of fostering my spirit and making me feel great mm-hmm. after I leave a book club. Um, and it is still very much intellectual without needing to do the homework. Exactly. You can always, and if you're going into life with a learner's mind, we always say, you know, anything's possible for the most part. You're always going to pick something up. Everything is going to be an opportunity. So I think just having that open mind is powerful. Absolutely. So speak, and Nicole, speak on, I know you mentioned just meditation and just different forms of meditation. We talk a lot about just mindfulness and being aware on target living. Um, I do a lot where I teach just more of the mindful eating kind of philosophy. So just give some people simple practices that they can do from a mindfulness perspective and even meditation, because I know, you know, a puzzle is a form of meditation. And and I love this when I take Nicole's yoga. Crystal and I are Nicole's groupies. We take her classes all over the city. Um, But I just, it always resonates with me when you say, okay, we're going to connect our breath with movement and we're going to flow through this, you know, vinyasa or the sequence of poses. And you say, we're going to put the meditation in motion. And I love that. I've never even thought about like my movement as being meditation. I always think of meditation as just connecting breath with stillness, but there's so much more to that. So just speak on mindfulness practices and just maybe other forms of meditation. Absolutely. And, you know, I teach yoga, but yoga might not be for everyone. Um, But breathing is because we all have to breathe to exist, to live, to be a part of this human experience. So I think just starting to notice how you breathe, where you breathe, and this will be a part of the meditation that I share at the end of our time here. But 
just starting to tune into the power of your breath, Mm -hmm. noticing how you breathe, even in the challenging moments, if you're really uncomfortable, whether it's pain, your stress, and that also is closely related to your nervous system. So if you can start to regulate the breath, you can also start to regulate the nervous system. Most of of us operating from a fright flight mode, Mm -hmm. right? Due to stresses that we encounter in our day-to-day lives, um, our bodies can't differentiate between a work deadline and a tiger that's chasing us. Right. So either way, our body from from, um, uh, a biological response is, is, just responding to how it does with stress. And so if you can start to tune into the breath and use that as a part of your meditation practice Mm -hmm. and being aware of how your breath can actually change your nervous system, um, that will impact how you show up in the world as well. Interesting. Yeah, so sometimes we have all this stress. We have a lot of stressors, but it's kind of how we perceive it or how we handle it. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't, if we're not conscious and we're not taking time to resolve some of those issues, then it's just going to build up. And that's where we jump into that autopilot mode Mm -hmm. and we're responding to stressful situations the same way every single time. Mm -hmm. Yet that response may not be appropriate for each individual situation. Exactly. So being able to take that moment, pause, assess what's happening in the current moment and then responding from there as opposed to a reactive kind of measure that that we just find ourselves just like checking the boxes yeah Yeah. and I think I mean one of the best ways to burn up all that added stress is with movement and I know Crystal moving to Chicago and having just this crazy fast-paced life a lot of your team members (laughs) noticed when you started doing yoga because you were calmer and you were nicer and you were able to handle your environment. So at On Target Living, you know, of course, we know that physical wellness is a huge piece of the puzzle of the whole kind of wellness principle. Um, But as far as movement, let's talk about it in a different way, because if we think about movement as a form of physical wellness, but not something we have to do as a chore or to lose weight, but for something we do to make us feel good, then that's what's going to help us to stick with it. And and I think personally, I've done this for a long time, but working out to feel good, it just means moving my body on a daily basis. I'm not thinking about it as something I have to do. If I can fit it in, I know my day is going to be so much better. I can show up for myself. I can show up for my family. I know even when I was on maternity leave, I didn't really do a lot of movement. I was just home all day and that was great. But once I started to get back into working out and my time and I could show up so much better for everyone else. So let's let's talk a little bit about movement and maybe reframe what we think about exercise. You know, it can be running. It can be stuff with your own body weight. It can be lifting. It can be yoga. So how would you kind of talk about um, just movement in general? I mean, for me, movement has always been. Um, a practice beyond just the exercise. I mean, Mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier in some of our conversations that if you're exercising just to lose weight, you can also just eat less, right? (laughs) Or have one last glass of wine or whatever it might be. So if you can start to find more value beyond just a calorie burn for the Uh way that you're moving about your body and allow that to truly be like a celebration Mm -hmm. of everything that your body allows you to do on a regular basis um then the it'll extend 
far beyond what numbers may show up on the scale. And I know connection is a big part of what you all talk about at On Target Living as well. You can enjoy the meals with important people in your life. So if you can, again, start to bring more value to how you're moving your body Mm -hmm. and allow that to be an expression of who you are in a celebration, let that be fun, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be, every single day that might show up a little differently. Um, But it can just be a really powerful practice. Well, I think, Crystal, back to your whole why, like asking yourself, why are you moving your body? Why are you exercising? So why why are you continuing to go to yoga? Because I think when you moved here, how long has it been since you moved to Chicago? A few years now. A few years. Yeah, going on my third year. Yeah, you hadn't really done yoga much. And then you found Zen Yoga Garage. You found Nicole. Actually, I think I forced you, you into the first yes, class. But yes. Take just, credit. Yeah, talk about the why behind it. And, and why has that made you stick with it long term? Well, I think for me in the past, movement has kind of been uh, from a scarcity mindset of trying to remedy something else. So like stress management was I'm going to go running after work because I'm, I've got too much to do. I've got this mindset. I need to exhaust myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and instead of thinking of the ways that I could kind of turn inward, uh, I was very much externalizing that energy and saying, okay, I left work with a lot of stress. What do I do with this energy that's negative before I can unwind? Yeah. And that wasn't a great uh, kind of way of living, mm-hmm. um, didn't feel fulfilled. There's um, this great movement specialist called Paul Check. if you ever check him out. Yes. He's got a whole, whole, um, I don't know if it's a podcast or a YouTube video on working out as opposed to working in mm. and how working out is actually more energetically depleting. But if you're working in, even though you're physically moving your body and challenging yourself, you're actually re-energizing yourself at the same process. So there's very different ways that you can move your body. And it sounds like, Crystal, you can definitely tap into the, this difference between working out versus working in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think coming from a rigorous graduate program where most of my time was spent sitting either in a library or in front of a computer, um, I that was a way of balancing it, but it wasn't I wasn't tapping into a why. It was more of a tit for tat to do mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and so when I moved to Chicago, I went to Nicole's uh, detox yoga <laughs> workshop with Kristen and um, I gave it a shot and really I gave it a shot because of the social connection that I loved uh, when we were going to Western Michigan University working out with you Mm -hmm. and making it social and I trusted you to go to this and give it a chance. I'd never met Nicole before and look at us now. but I. I will say that now you mentioned that I'm nicer at work, which is very funny. I uh, do have a regular yoga practice. I actually uh, clean at the studio. I do yoga for trade, so I clean two hours a week in exchange for uh, taking classes. And I really have thought about how movement is positive for me and starting with the breath and, Mm -hmm. and that I can take that into my everyday life. I can take that to work with me. I can take it to a meeting. 
Um, you know, I don't take my yoga mat, but I can do <laughs> a lot of the um, posture checks yeah. and the breathing. And when I'm deciding to take the stairs versus the elevator between a few floors, there's just some things that I pay attention to mm-hmm. and I'm more conscious and aware of. Uh, because it's important to me and that I know it's making a small difference that will ripple into how I show up when I get home mm-hmm. and how I sleep and how I show up the next morning. Oh, yeah. I mean, all of this is so connected in every way. And I think when I was on maternity leave and it was just busy and my husband, Sean, was working, he would come home and he'd want to you know, just relieve the stress. You get home, you want to just kind of unwind. Well, we had a crying baby who was going through the witching hour, so he couldn't truly unwind. So we had to figure out, okay, what can you do to transition from your work day to your personal life? There needs to be something. It doesn't have to necessarily be movement or yoga. Maybe you don't have time for that. For me, it's cooking. I feel like cooking is a form of meditation. There's no more powerful way of mindful eating than with cooking because you're stimulating all five senses. And I think if I can just get in the kitchen, I can get my hands dirty. I can pay attention to something else. That's my transition between like my work day and my personal life. So it can be a number of things, but I think we all know that we feel better when we move or when we take time for us so we can show up in all different areas. And I think Going back into the whole physical practice, we know that the benefits of movement are just so much greater than just to move to, you know, lose weight. So you have to find something that you really enjoy doing because if you don't like it, you're not going to do it. And that's where I think people run into issues. Now, I also wanted to talk about just simple things from a physical wellness standpoint um, to build on the movement. We know that rest is really powerful, too. We need to take that downtime. We need to take time to recharge our batteries. You know, we charge our phone every single night. We're not taking time to really recharge. And I think, you know, as professionals, sometimes we we think that sleep is a sign of weakness, but we know that we can't perform at our highest level if we're not getting at least seven to nine hours of sleep. So just prioritizing that, being conscious of it. We all know how we feel when we don't get a good um, night's sleep. And and I just want to kind of get your thoughts on why do we sleep? What are the benefits? How can we maybe think about it a little bit differently to prioritize it and be more conscious? Because we talk a lot about, you know, setting up a, an amazing sleep environment and, and understanding the importance. But are, what are some things that resonate you when it comes to just taking that time to recharge? Well, I talked about the parasympathetic nervous system not too long ago, and it's the same thing. If you set the mood with your candles, your bedding, whatever it may be, if you can't internally slow down your nervous system, whatever happened from your day, if you can't let that go and your mind is constantly, you know, running and you're stressed, it doesn't matter what your sleep space is going to look like, you won't be able to rest. Exactly. And so that's where the benefits of a spiritual practice in whatever form it shows up um, are truly, I mean, powerful in the sense where it reduces stress, it lowers blood pressure, reduces depression, Mm -hmm. provides clarity, elevates your mood by inviting joy. So all of those things can contribute to achieving better rest. Better sleep, yeah. Yeah, because sometimes we get in bed, yeah, and we can't turn it off. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so there's the statistics out there in terms of sleeping problems mm-hmm. is alarming. Horrible. It's just getting worse, too. 
Well, I think it's interesting how you talked about reading and reading for work and then feeling guilty for reading for fun. And I feel like that same exchange with time and sleep. Mm -hmm. So if I have so much to do, sleep should be the first thing. I feel guilty going to bed on time or early. Like I should be staying up. I should be being more prepared for the next day. But through experience, I think I've really learned what it means to be prepared and how I can show up better the next day. Mm -hmm. And resting isn't always sleep. It is related to sleep. And I do my very best to get that seven mark. Mm -hmm. Um, On the weekends, sometimes I make up a little and I do the nine hour mark. but I, I don't make myself feel guilty for naps. So when I get home from work, if I need to take a nap and yeah, versus doing something else or pushing through or drinking a third cup of coffee, uh, I make sure that I can do that. And then rest for me is also unplugging. Mm-hmm. So because I'm on a computer and I'm constantly on call with uh, social media management on a cell phone, on the weekend when I can, I'll turn my phone off. I'll have a screen free day. Yesterday was one of those days for me. Mm-hmm. And it, along with recharging, allowing my electric devices yeah. to kind of take a break, I also felt very, it took a little while, you know, I'm not gonna pretend like, oh, I turned it off and I forgot about it, it was fine. I went to take a photo or I went to text someone something, um, but I left it off and yeah. it, it made me feel like I, had that power and control to say, I need a break and Mm -hmm. I'm going to take this space and time for myself to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to be a night owl in college, uh, worked nights at a police station and dispatch. And so always felt like that was kind of the schedule that I had adjusted to, but I've learned more and more um, with this new position and with the commute ahead of me when I go into the office that my favorite time of day is really 5.30 in the morning till seven when I'm heading Mm -hmm. to the train. And so giving myself that time meant pushing my bedtime a little bit Mm -hmm. earlier. And it, it feels like it works really well for me and I'm happy with how I show up Mm -hmm. and what time I go to bed. My partner's a musician and so (laughs) he's out all night. Um, We're not really synced in that way, but we respect each other's sleep schedules Mm -hmm. and our rest time. Um, And, and I think that's really important in kind of maintaining the connection between us and then also prioritizing our own needs. Yep. You guys can kind of meet in the middle when you need to. And, and I think even when it comes to sleep, we always say it's a number, lack of sleep is the number one way to age the body. So if we're not taking time to recharge or this downtime or breathing or or sleeping, we're going to get sick, right? We're going to be run down. We're going to be burned out. And then guess what? We can't work. So I think sometimes people, they work their life away. They work so much. And then you know, they save up all this money and then they spend it all trying to regain their health when they retire. And what kind of life is that? And there are plenty of scientific studies out there that also suggest that the brain operates optimally once it's restored. Right. Now, whether that looks like sleep or there's a different way that you mm-hmm. find rest, um, but in terms of creativity, thinking, yeah. um, focus, focus, those, those are all at their best when you're rested. Exactly. We all know what a good night's sleep does. So I think just thinking about a lot of this stuff, just the big message here is just being more conscious, being more aware, thinking about it differently. What areas of your life could you improve? Maybe you have sleep down. Maybe you get nine hours, 10 hours a night. Maybe you are constantly moving your body, but maybe you're paying attention a little bit more to it on purpose. And then of course, the whole eating practice, I think This is really powerful for connecting a lot of things. I mean, we know that diets, 
aren't sustainable. They're not enjoyable. We have to eat in a way that actually makes us feel healthy and happy and find something that we can actually sustain long term because we know that eating and food is our number one energy source. And we really, if we don't have energy, it's just, it's hard to be more mindful and, and more aware. So we talk, of course, a lot at, on Target Living about certain superfoods. But I think the biggest thing I wanted um, people to kind of think about when it comes to eating is just, number one, use your common sense. There's so many products on the market. It gets very overwhelming, but we can always go back to our common sense, our intuition where it allows us to just pay attention a little bit more, you know, on purpose. And if we're following a diet where we can eat as much bacon as we want, but we can't eat a bowl of oatmeal, or we're eating these new plant-based burgers that we can't even recognize any of the ingredients, we just have to take a step back and make everything when it comes to wellness just a little bit easier. And I think it just starts with with paying attention. And then I think another tip for eating is just making sure you're eating foods close to the source, basically just foods in their most natural state, real foods. I always tell people there's nothing's off limits when it's from the source or where you know, you, you know where it's coming from. And that I think gives people hope that they don't have to give anything up. They just have to make it better over time. So if I were to ask you ladies, is chocolate healthy or not? What would your answer be? Absolutely. <laughs> answer. Dark chocolate for Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, we're, we're struggling with, is this healthy? Is it not healthy? But we have to ask yourself, okay, is chocolate healthy or not? Well, it depends. It depends on the source. Is it dark chocolate? Like the raw unprocessed form, which is cacao nips. It's loaded in calming magnesium. It can actually help us sleep. It can help us tune into our parasympathetic nervous system. Or is it a processed candy bar? So just think about eating in a different way. And I just really wanted to touch on this um, because I think it does connect with the whole wellness piece, but just going back to making it very easy and manageable. And I know you ladies are, are healthy eaters. So how do you think about eating in terms of just making it more manageable for you in your, in your everyday lifestyle? Um, I, a few things. One, I am a, strong oatmeal on the run uh person thanks I, for the plug on the cookbook oatmeal on the run it's yeah. true um i have a whole oatmeal bar at the house of all the different both pumpkin seeds and Fixings. dried cherries and yeah and nuts and things and that to me you know i can spend the time that i need in the morning uh reading and kind of relaxing and i have already prepared my breakfast and i take it with me and i eat it when i get to work so for me that's a healthy choice it's allowing me to do the things that i want to do and start my day the way that i want to and i feel good about it um so that's kind of that approach i also am known in the office for my mystery machine lunchbox <laughs> everyone wants to know what you have yeah they know me as the person who parks that van right in the fringe um because i pack my lunch and that way i get to make those choices and it's something that oftentimes is dinner leftovers mm -hmm. or quick and easy veggie fruit um stuff from the fridge snackable things and where you said cooking is a great transition for you between your work day and then unwinding at home eating is for me and my partner oftentimes does the cooking and tries new recipes and uh, that's, you got it. You got a good gig there. I, I do. I do. So that's wonderful for me. It oftentimes pairs as dinner and lunch. 
Um, but that's kind of the mindfulness of, you know, how I'm nourishing my body and knowing how important that is and that it's a conscious decision, as you've said. Lots of trips. I, I do a lot of the grocery store mm-hmm. stops on the way home from work. I'll pick up what mm-hmm. what's needed. I get texts like we're out of uh, oat milk. Do with that information what you will. <laughs> I stop by. So, so, yeah, making it easy for your lifestyle. Yeah. Making it work in and and prioritizing it in the way that, you know, it's worth the extra trip to the grocery store Mm -hmm. or uh, it's worth, you know, carrying the lunchbox on the on the train. Like those are the small things. Um, For me in particular, I've been really trying to tune into the sensation of hunger and really only consuming food when I'm hungry. Um, and celebrating that consumption of food is a way of nourishing my body because mm-hmm. that's a very sacred process. Um, and because oftentimes there's plenty of reasons why we eat beyond being actually hungry, whether it's we're bored, emotionally eating, whatever it may be. So I've just been really trying to, to hone into the sensation of hunger, um, be curious about when it shows up, if it's consistent throughout the day. Um, and then before I actually consume food, just taking that moment to pause and doing that little mental prayer to myself, just being grateful for the opportunity to even be able to nourish my body okay. with something because there are plenty of people in the world that can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just pausing and those first few bites in particular, those are the ones where our taste buds can taste things the most. So just savoring those, slowing mm-hmm. down a little bit. Um, I was always one that, that ate very rushed on the go, standing, whatever it might be at the counter. Um, so I've been trying to, to just really, um, celebrate food in terms of how it, it fills me up, not mm-hmm. only physically, but mentally, emotionally as well. Um, even we were talking about the chocolate before. I mean, how lovely is a piece of dark <laughs> chocolate, but then on top of it, if you can share that with someone, right? Um, it's an even you know greater practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think sometimes when it comes to eating, some people are like eating a whole bag of chips or doing mm-hmm. things behind the scenes that they think makes them feel happy, but it's more just instant gratification when true pleasure comes from enjoying our meals with the people that we care about. So just thinking about food a little bit differently. And when you are more conscious about some of the decisions, then when you go to indulge, you know, say for an occasion, there's no guilt. Guilt only comes from overdoing. So I think just that awareness concept of eating, I think more than just telling people exactly what to eat it's just the how behind it and the why i think that is so much more powerful because there's so much more to eating than to be healthier or to lose weight it's really about how it makes us feel and um i grew up with just the food as love kind of philosophy and um that's really stuck with me over time while my dad thought of food as fuel my mom thought of food as love and that's kind of i have um both of those kind of things in in mind is we want to eat foods that actually are going to make us feel good, but we want to also enjoy those foods. So I love a lot of these tips basically as it comes to the whole wellness piece. And just to kind of recap a little bit, you know, whole wellness can include the physical wellness, the spiritual wellness, the intellectual wellness, emotional wellness. A lot of these things that we talked about, we gave some specific things, whether that's with your spiritual practice of meditation or slowing down or or connecting with the breath or intellectual wellness where you're focusing on reading a book 
or other things you can do to kind of develop the intellectual kind of side. Physical wellness, you're taking time to rest, time to eat the right foods, time to move your body, thinking about the why behind some of these things. And I think just to connect all this together as we kind of wrap up and how we close, I think the social wellness piece really brings this all together. So whatever it is that you're taking from this podcast, it has to fit into your social life. Basically, it has to be sustainable and it has to be enjoyable. And I think a lot of times at On Target Living, we talk about um, just this thing called the 80-20 rule which it allows you to tap into this consciousness and and be more aware. Maybe 80% of the time you're paying attention to your whole wellness. You know, you're reading and you're paying attention to what you eat and you're moving your body on a regular basis. But sometimes 20% of the time, we just have to let it go. We have to just not worry so much about it, but just kind of paying attention. So what do you guys think as far as the whole social wellness piece? Why is this so important for practicing a lot of these specific things? Well, I think going back to intellectual wellness, you know, you have to kind of question what socializing means to you. And I think society has certain expectations of what a social situation looks like, um, but that might necessarily not be the case for for everyone. Mm-hmm. So finding a way to socialize, whether it's a book club, maybe it is a night out on the town, Maybe it's dancing, um, you know, different ways that um, when you socialize, they're actually filling you up mm-hmm. as opposed to perhaps doing or taking energy yeah. from you. And I think those sense of connections that we have can be part of the drive, the why, the purpose and meaning. So for for me, uh, mentoring is a really big part of. I would say in everyday practice, Mm -hmm. um, maintaining connections and providing someone to listen to um, others, someone to provide advice, someone to give constructive feedback. And so there's really a drive um, and an ability to reflect on things that might be stressful or overwhelming or experiences that I've had where I felt like I was failing and what are the lessons learned and how can I share those? Mm -hmm. So I think that is you know, a social connection and something that I really work to cultivate and foster um, is mentoring. And then also in organizations, um, I've learned through my experiences in different roles that a lot of the intellectual capital in an organization isn't documented or stored somewhere. It's within the people you work with. Mm -hmm. So connecting with others where it might feel like, okay, I have a task list and I have projects. I don't have time to do this. But a lot of the way that we share information and we share projects is through stories. It's through Mm -hmm. connecting with others. And so really, you know, I think intellectual can kind of also have a connotation of isolation. Yeah. Um, But it really is important in the connection and the vulnerability to be curious and ask questions and to truly listen. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think those are a few things that kind of resonate with me when thinking about the importance of social connection and learning. Yeah, the connections, the relationships. I mean, we're finding that our greatest predictor of happiness and just aging in general is our relationships with people. So how can some of these things fit into your lifestyle, into your social life? Because once we figure out how those can fit in, or maybe we tailor some of these practices to fitting into our lifestyle, you know, like you said, it doesn't have to be a night on the town where you're drinking with your friends. It can be. Maybe that's something that lifts you up, 
but maybe not. Maybe it's meeting a friend for tea. I know um, my husband, Sean, he, he wishes that, and he should, he could reframe this, but sometimes he wishes he could go out with his buddies for yoga and tea. <laughs> that just doesn't happen, right? So instead he'll hang out with us, which is great. But you know, that's kind of what it means to socialize with a bunch of dudes. So I think we can reframe this. It doesn't have to be, you know, unhealthy practices. We can find these healthier practices to fit into our social life and, and provide us with deeper connections to our relationships and then just making it our own. So as we close today, I think a good way to kind of allow our listeners to just be more conscious of some of the things that we said and just kind of sink in a little bit is just with the closing meditation where we can connect with our body, our mind, our spirit, and that breath that we are talking about, which I think a lot of this starts with the breath and being more curious. So Nicole, if you would, will you take us through just a simple closing meditation? This is only gonna be a few minutes, but just to allow our listeners to really let this set in. Absolutely, and as you get yourself situated, make sure you're in a comfortable position, whether it's seated, standing, lying down, Eyes can be closed, or maybe it's that soft, blurry vision, finding a focal point to look at. Just making sure you're at ease. And then start to tune into the rhythm of your breath. Noticing how you're breathing. Could be the sound, the quality, the texture. From there, transition to even where you're breathing. Could be your belly, your chest. Perhaps the inhale is easier than the exhale, vice versa. Again, it's from this place of curiosity, avoiding impulse to judge, criticize, just start to tune into those subtle, subtle nuances of the breath. Let's all take a big, slow, nourishing inhale. Gentle, open mouth release. Do that one more time. Inhale this full body breath as you fill up. It's a clearing breath out. Then from here, just placing your hands to your lower abdomen, the belly region, using your hands as sensory feedback. So as you send the breath to the bowl of your pelvis, feel your hands lift with the inhale, lower with the exhale. And taking just two more conscious rounds of breath, really focusing on your belly, seeing if you can expand a little bit more so with each inhale, contraction with the exhale. And then from the lower abdomen, you'll take your hands to the side bodies, the rib cage area. Big breath into the ribs, allow the ribs to expand outward. And the exhale, feeling that hugging sensation towards the midline. And taking two more conscious rounds of breath, how expansive can you get in the rib cage? The inhale drawing in with the exhale. And then from the rib cage, take your hands up towards the collarbones, the chest region, sending the breath to the hands, 
filling up the chest and feeling your hands lower as you send the breath out. Two more rounds of breath. Filling up the region by the collarbones, the shoulders. And relaxing your arms down, bringing all three of these together. Inhale, filling your lower abdomen, moving up to the ribs, all the way to the collarbones. And your exhale from your chest down to the lungs, to the bowl of your pelvis. And inhale, belly, ribs, collarbones. Exhale from your chest, lungs, down to the pit of the abdomen. Inhales from the bottom up. Exhales from the top down. Taking two more rounds on your own, just like this. And allowing your breath to return to its natural rhythm, its cadence. Allowing each inhale, each exhale to, to truly be the celebration of life, this present moment, the here, the now. Knowing that the breath is always here for you. your own rhythm start to flutter the eyes open maybe invite a little bit of gentle movement and taking the same sense of presence of calm of ease with you into the remainder of your day wow thank you nicole that was great and hopefully that just allowed everyone to kind of tap into that sense of whole wellness or different areas of your life. Maybe you just need a little bit more and knowing that, you know, it has to fit within your lifestyle. It doesn't have to be a lot. It doesn't have to take a lot of time, just small steps to kind of developing this whole wellness practice. So thank you so much, ladies, for joining me today. I think we could chat all day. So just stay tuned for our next um, episode together. They will for sure be back. But hopefully you can bring this into your day to just step into your true power and really allow yourself to meet your full potential. Small steps to healthy living. <laughs>